Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, a very special guest. His name is Dr. Phil Fernandez, and he published a book back in 2009, which I just read through. The title of that book is The Atheist Delusion, a Christian response to Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins, two very well-known public intellectuals. But he has also written other books. The title of those books are The God Who Sits Enthroned, Evidence for God's Existence, also, No Other Gods, A Defense of Biblical Christianity. Also, God, Government, and the Road to Tyranny. Very timely book. I think I have to check that out. Uh, Contend Earnestly for the Faith. And also, Theism versus Atheism, The Internet Debate. He's also contributed a chapter to The Big Argument, Does God Exist? Edited by John Ashton and Michael Westacott. That's not a very total read-through of what he has written. He's also done a 25-volume lecture series on Christian subjects, which you can find on Amazon. And he, Dr. Fernandez, also honorably served this country, the United States, from 1980 to 1983 in the United States Marine Corps. But we are going to talk about uh, this book about two people who I followed. I was very familiar with Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins has been around. But uh, I really, Dr. Fernandez did an excellent job of addressing a lot of their positions and views in this book, The Atheist Delusion. He'll talk more about that. So, Dr. Fernandez, are you there? Yes, yes. How you doing, awesome. William? I'm doing great. Thanks for agreeing to the interview. For people who may not have heard of your background, also your website is Phil Fernandez with an S at the end, Phil Fernandez, all one word, dot org. For people who haven't heard your name, can you talk about your background and what led you to write this book, The Atheist Delusion? Yeah, I was uh, rather a skeptic myself when I joined the Marine Corps back in 1980. And one thing led to another and through a search for meaning, I found Christ. And then I tried to answer the objections of fellow Marines. And so I got into apologetics and, and um, you know, I planted a church in 1988. We're still still uh, going as a church and doing well. But, uh, but I continued to do apologetics and debated on, on college campuses like Princeton and the uh, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill and Washington State University, State University of New York. And, and so I started doing uh, debates back in the 19, late 1980s throughout the 1990s and uh, um, still take an occasional debate now and then, normally against uh, atheists and all. But when the new atheists came on the scene, and that was after September 11, 2001, they, it's really interesting because Christians warn, Christian scholars warn people about the very violent strand of Islam, militant Islam, yet the new atheists just lump together Christians and Muslims and act like uh, 9-11 was caused because of a fanatical group of people that believed in God, and Christians are often fanatical about their belief in God so they saw 9-11 as an evidence against Christianity as much as evidence against uh, Islam. And so that's what got started. And the main thing that makes the new atheist the new atheist is not that they're using different arguments or that they're more philosophically profound than, than previous atheists, but it's just that they're much more, they were much more impatient and, um, and they, um, uh, Basically, uh, there, there was uh, much more uh, emotion involved. Uh, it's kind of like they're arguing that God doesn't exist because they hate him so much. So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a real contradiction there if you, 
don't believe God exists, why do you hate him? You know, and Richard Dawkins would compare belief in God to being as silly as belief in the flying spaghetti monster. Well, Richard Dawkins hasn't made a dime lecturing or debating against those who believe in the flying spaghetti monster. He's made an awful lot of money writing books and debating and lecturing against the true God of the Bible. So it seems to me that his analogy is, is a really poor one. And uh, But whatever the case, that impatience, um, it, it was like a, the, these guys had a desire. Look, let's rid the earth of Christianity and belief in God, and we'll enter into some kind of utopian state. And so that's why Richard Dawkins referred to teaching children about uh, God as child abuse. Now, we want to see child abusers locked up. So Dawkins doesn't come right out and say it, but he's implying that it's so dangerous. If you're going to teach children about God, you ought to be locked up. And so it was that kind of emotional, impatient response, that um, desire to rid the earth of uh, Christianity and theism itself, belief in God. That's what kind of characterized the new atheist. Now, um, I would argue that they, they actually lost that battle. They, they, they succeeded in um, enlisting a lot of people to oppose belief in God, or at least to oppose traditional religions. Uh, but where they failed, they were surpassed by more of a postmodern neo-Marxist neo-paganism. That's why I appreciate I looked at the list of books you wrote about, and I think that they're much much more relevant than just your basic uh, refute atheism type arguments. Right now, we're we're in a battle for Western civilization, and I believe that uh, atheism, uh, the new atheists, they had their decade, and they're they're on the way out. We still need this book is still important because we still need to defend God's existence and the bodily resurrection of Christ and salvation only through Him. We need to defend biblical Christianity. At the same time, right now, the battle is moving away from the intellect and uh, into the realm of emotions and a, the community's narrative, a story. People decide, um, you know, when uh, President Biden was a candidate, he said, we believe in something along the lines, we believe in truth, not facts. And everybody thought it was one of his gas. Well, no, he has advisors that don't believe in facts. And they just choose, their community chooses what they want to be true. That becomes their truth. They treat it as truth, even if all the facts go against them. And so right now we have with, you know, critical uh, theory and critical race theory and neo-Marxism and um, the uh, uh, postmodern idea that uh, truth is an absolute. Each community defines its own truth with its narrative. That kind of won the day. So now it's really weird. We have an open door to these atheists because a lot of these atheists now like hanging out with Christians because we still believe in absolute truth and we're still willing to dialogue with the intellect. Whereas Richard Dawkins is being, you know, slammed as being an oppressor. And um, um, so it's interesting that we have an open door, but they're, they, they had their day in the sun, but it's moving on. So I think it's going to be, you know, like the ancient times when uh, the Christian worldview um, had its battles with uh, uh, ancient paganism. And now I think it's the neo-paganism that's on the rise. Right. I mean, it's an interesting point because it's like you're almost back at the beginning of Christianity 2000 years where you're, you have this 
uh, you know, Greco-Roman world that mm-hmm. is in direct contradiction to the Christian ideas. And you're almost at that again. I mean, oh, you're now... The parallels are amazing because, yeah. you know, ancient Greek philosopher, ancient Greek philosophy was supposed to refute the pagan mythology and all the pagan cults. Yet, a few hundred years after Plato and Socrates, Paul shows up in Athens, the world's headquarters of Greek philosophy, and what he sees are all these altars to false gods. So the ancient rational Greek and Roman thinkers could not refute. You know, the, Jesus said that man does not live on bread alone, but on every utterance in the mouth of God. So anytime you try to just rationally describe everything without an appeal uh, to the supernatural and to the spiritual, you're going to leave people starving uh, for spiritual experiences. And so it, Christianity had to defeat the ancient pagan gods. And, uh, and our message pretty much is, you know, you know, my God's bigger than your God. And uh, the God of Christianity, uh, you know, he sits in throne and he is the true God and he's a good God. Um, but he, um, he's a God of grace, but he's a God who judges. And so the new atheists, they butt heads with him and they lost. But in the meantime, uh, Western civilization right now is being taken over by, um, uh, you know, groups of people who are anti-Christian, anti-truth, anti-traditional morality. And, uh, so that's where the battle lines are drawn. And I'm, I'm glad to see that you're on the cutting edge addressing that because a lot of Christian scholarship, I run in scholarly circles. I'm the vice president of the International Society of Christian Apologetics. I had the uh, doctor of ministry program in apologetics for Veritas International University. And I'm telling you in, in academic circles, uh, I mean, t- it took me, I think about 15 to 20 years to get apologetics conference promoters to allow me to speak on what I call paranormal apologetics. So it's kind of like we want to just, in academic circles, it's embarrassing to talk about uh, the the push towards globalism. It's embarrassing to talk mm-hmm. about um, uh, the uh, paranormal, uh, and so they just want to just keep talking about the same stuff over and over again. Now we do need a, a vibrant, um, robust defense of God's existence and absolute truth and Jesus' resurrection and deity, and a defense of the Bible as God's word. So I'll continue to do that until I go home to be with Jesus. Uh, But at the same time, you get outside the philosophy lecture hall and um, the questions people are asking right now is not, does God exist? But it's like, you know, what do you believe about haunted houses? What do you what do you believe about um, uh, UFOs and things of that sort? And I think the Bible gives us, you know, the biblical worldview has a response to those questions. But I'm really glad to see you. Uh, as one of the few guys out there addressing these issues. But I think you're right. I think the Bible does have answers to those issues. I think that it's not being discussed in the church in a very general way. And you're right, they do downplay it in ways. But I think that in the common culture, I would say for sure it's a very important topic. And But I think that the new atheists with this kind of postmodern neo-Marxist share something is that they blame what their conception of religion is for all the problems in the world. So they really lump it together. And I think it goes into your introductory statement about Christianity and Islam is they view both of those religions as 
the enemy and cruel and, and this whole concept of the cruel uh, father in the sky. Can you address kind of what that kind of militantism? And I think it's all, sorry. Can you address that, that uh, why they view that, that, that way and they're tied to Darwinism? <clears throat> yeah, they're, they're, they're basically, they, they believe that Darwinian evolution ex explains everything. And now there's no need um, for, for God, for belief in God whatsoever. So they believe God is antiquated. Belief in God is antiquated. They would agree with Nietzsche that God is dead. Uh, belief in God is no longer a viable option for thinking people in the West. And so um, I, I wrote an article back in 1998, The Coming Death of Western Civilization. And, uh, and there I talked about how Nietzsche understood that if God is dead, truth is dead, morality is dead, meaning is dead. But he thought this would produce the Superman. Now, of course, C.S. Lewis and Francis Schaeffer, Christian thinkers, said, no, if, if God is dead in truth, morality, meaning, if they're dead, then man is dead, too. It's not going to produce the Superman. It's going to be the death of man. So the um, 19th century with Darwin was the death of God in Western civilization. The 20th century was the death, uh, us coming to terms with the death of uh, meaning and truth and morality. And I argue that the 21st century is now going to bring about the death of man if there is not widespread repentance. And um, but these guys, um, like you say, the, the new atheists would join with the critical race theories and the postmodernists. So the, 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 these guys are the, the new atheists are modernist and they think, you know, we can save the planet through human reason alone and find all truth and solve all our problems through human reason alone. Well, the modern project failed, and that led to postmodernism, where they gave, gave up on the individual. And now every you're defined by your community's narrative, your community's story. And so they go to power narratives. But, um, but they are allies in that both modernism and postmodernism hate Christianity. Right. And, and because Christianity has such a great impact and influence on Western civilization, they also... Um, want to attack Western civilization. So when they talk about things like systemic racism, they're saying the entire system needs to be replaced, needs to be overturned. And so basically what they're talking about is the overturning of United States sovereignty and the merging with the, with a new global order. And um, now certainly the new atheists agree with the neo-Marxists today on their hatred of Christianity, but in the process, uh, the neo-Marxists also attack um, uh, much of the new atheist uh, ideology themselves, so that a lot of Richard Dawkins' conferences were being canceled uh, because he's made some statements, and, and he's a white male, you know, and, and so he just, he, he doesn't fit into their views on intersectionality and he's uh, he's an oppressor himself. And so there's a lot of these new atheists. There might be an open door. Um, I know Stefan Molyneux, I think he's an agnostic and used to used to hate Christians, but he acknowledges sometimes when he bumps into Christians. Now, they're the only people who understand him because he's a libertarian and he's gone on record by saying that cancel culture is a dress rehearsal. Uh, for genocide. 
And um, so there might be some open doors with the new atheists because all of a sudden, you know, they accomplished so much and they're attacking a Christianity and now they're getting kicked out of the party. Right. That's yeah. kind of the way it works, right? Who comes next? Who's yeah. next on the chopping block? Yeah. And you're really true. We're on that level of genocide. Whatever. I think there's a famous like eight or nine steps of genocide. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're there. I mean, and you're right. And I think that he goes back to Nietzsche, says God is dead. We killed him, right? So yeah. human yeah. beings killed God, which led and Darwinism and yeah. the atheism of what these guys produced led directly to World War II and its horror. So them coming on after World War II and bringing this around, and they're very famous public intellectuals, people you know I see all the time, Sam Harris, Dawkins on very well-known shows. You never get the Christian perspective, yeah. but yeah. They're, they're in part have to be responsible for the present abuses of the postmodernists and the neo-Marxists. Oh, big, big time, big time. And uh, I've got listed in my book, there are certain things that uh, that they hold to that I refuted in this book. Like they argue religious faith is blind faith. It's not based on reason. And they, they claim atheism is not a religion. When my book came out, you know, it has Darwin and stained glass um, on the cover. And the day it came out on Amazon, it was impossible for someone to have already ordered it and read it. And I got a bunch of zeros. So all these atheists were offended just by the cover of my book alone. And then they pretended that they read the book. And so I got really bad ratings. I had to ask a few Christian friends to read the book and, and, and all. But, but they were so offended that I put Darwin in stained glass. But I argue that if the belief there is a God, if that's religious, a religious, it, it, to say that God exists, if that's a religious statement, than to say God does not exist, you haven't changed the topic. It's still a religious statement. And these guys are very passionate about their beliefs. And um, and they offer what they believe is salvation or the solution to the problem. So the new atheists are just as religious as, as Muslims or Christians. They believe that science um, uh, has disproven God and that there's no evidence for God. They believe religion poisons everything. I would argue false religion poisons everything, but Christianity is not false religion. I put atheism down as one of those false religions. They believe evil and human suffering have disproven God's existence and that morality doesn't come from God and a belief in miracles, a superstition. They don't believe there's any historical evidence for the true biblical Jesus. And they teach that uh, they believe teaching children about God is child abuse. So those are just some of the things that I address um, uh, in, in my book, The Atheist Delusion. Right. And you talk, I mean, you mentioned this court case, Tarasco versus Watkins, that secular humanism is a religion. And you could probably put atheism maybe as a subset of secular humanism. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I think that it is an interesting that they have this presumption that their scientifical worldview is not a religion. But if yeah. you, you have to have more faith to believe in yeah. Darwin's theory of evolution than in the historicity of, of yeah. Christianity and Christ. Would oh, you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. My old professor, Dr. Norman Geisler, and uh, and a good friend of mine, Frank Terra, co-authored the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And, you know, right now the debate comes down to either you believe in the beginning a miracle-working God created the universe out of nothing, or in the beginning nothing created the universe 
totally out of nothing. And, um, and really, it, you know, nothing in order to have potential to have power, you got to be something. Nothing is nothing. Therefore, nothing can do nothing. Therefore, nothing can cause nothing. If the universe had a beginning, and that's what 20th century cosmology has proven, if the universe had a beginning, it has to have a cause and nothing is not a good candidate. Nothing can't cause anything. And um, so uh, so whatever the case, but it, it's like Richard Dawkins says that if you could prove your beliefs, it's no longer faith. It's it's now knowledge or reason. And um, John Lennox, the, the Oxford scholar and mathematician, he said in his accent, uh, well, surely now, Richard, you, you must have good reasons for having faith in your wife. And Dawkins said, of course. And then the whole audience laughed because the only guy in the auditorium that didn't get it was Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins had good reasons to have faith in the loyalty of his wife, yet he claims if it's a faith, you can't have any reasons for it. There's no rational aspects right. to it. So his belief in faith is only, is only blind faith, whereas the biblical view of faith um, is a faith that is founded upon the evidence. And I mean, the, the other thing that's interesting is they're so certain of the scientism or science of evolution, but to really apply the scientific process to evolution, there's a lot of problems there, right? Oh, yeah, big time. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that we call the scientific method the scientific method because the scientific method starts with observation, but you can also have like forensic science or crime scene investigation where um, uh, you, you know, things you can't observe, uh, like crime scene investigation. Did O.J. Simpson kill his former wife and and uh, her friend? Uh, you can't. It's not. It's non-repeatable. You can't observe that. So you go do forensic science, which is still part of science, um, but it's a different method than the scientific method. And that's the way it is with creation and evolution. No, no human was there to see the creation events. And, um, and just as with the atheist, no human was there to see supposedly everything pop into existence, totally out of nothing, totally out of cause to see life evolve from non-life, multi-celled animals evolve from single celled animals. So you have to use uh, more of forensic science, not, uh, you have to go to origin science, not operation science. It's like, if we were examining how a car operates, that doesn't tell us how the car was made. And that's what the, say, the atheists do. They look how the world operates and they say, okay, that's how it had to come to be. No, the, um, the origin of the universe is going to deal uh, with, uh, op with um, origin science, uh, the, uh, basically the study of singular events, non-repeatable events of the past. And so there you're looking at principles like analogy, similar uh, effects have similar causes, and you're looking at the principle of causality, non-being cannot cause being, every effect must have an adequate cause. And when we apply that to the origin of the universe, the origin of first life and the origin of more complex life forms, um, you find that uh, theism, the belief in a personal God is much more scientifically plausible uh, than atheism is. And, uh, and I like you where you use the word scientism. Scientism turns science into a religion 
and it acts like truth can only be found through the five senses, well, is that statement true? Because you can't prove that statement true through the five senses. So it's a self-refuting statement. Right. And these guys get away with it, though. These new atheists get away with a lot of stuff. There's not a lot. Of, I've seen them in public debates. Maybe you've seen other things, but a lot of people just listen to them like they're evangelists almost. So It's one of the reasons why I don't debate as much on college campuses. It used to be 20 years ago when I make a good point. I could see the audience, most of the audience, you know, college students would, would get it. And, um, but as time went on, I'd make a good point and I'd look at them and they've got this glazed over look. And then the atheists would make a stupid statement and they'd all start clapping. And, and, uh, you know, you could either educate or you can indoctrinate. And right now, even at Ivy League schools, we're just indoctrinating people in political correctness. And, uh, um, if I find somebody who works in the trades and has no college training at all, they're more likely to still be able to have original thoughts and do some critical thinking than graduates of four-year uh, universities. Now, you make exceptions for like engineering students. They've got so much math and so many solid courses filled with truth that they have to take that they kind of sometimes get exempt from the, the gender studies and, and things of that sort. But, um, but when you indoctrinate people, you dehumanize them and they're no longer capable of critical thought. And that's what we're facing right now. And um, and so I think that we need a one two punch in apologetics. Uh, I do think we need the rational side defending God's existence, providing historical evidence for Jesus resurrection. But we also need to recognize that people care more about stories and testimonies right now Um than they do um, about reason. So without throwing out the traditional rational defense of the faith, we need to also come up with arguments uh, that, that uh, penetrate the hearts of people. And then, of course, with the paranormal side, uh, we need to be, be able to trust in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, because uh, sometimes apologetics just becomes power encounters where the Baptist missionaries cast out seven demons from a shaman or a witch doctor, and then the whole tribe converts to Christianity. And um, the more uh, Americans uh, um, flee from God, the, the, more, the, the less of God's protection we're going to see, and we're going to see more, of the, more and more of these power encounters and paranormal uh, uh, events. And we've, we, the Christian apologist needs to be ready uh, to deal with that. Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting point because these people who've been indoctrinated in these universities in universities are going to join the workforce, they're going to join politics, so you're having a whole new generation. You're seeing the leaving of that, or leaven yeah. of it now, and like I was going to state, there, like now, I think the number one religion amongst girls in Los Angeles is Wicca. It's witchcraft. Mm -hmm. So they believe in the paranormal. They're not materialists, but... They're into the you know yeah. satanic or adversarial side of uh, yeah the supernatural. Yeah, when you deny when you deny truth, and that's what these kids are being taught. You get to pick what you want to be true, and we we have collectivism rather than true community through biblical Christianity and through the Christian Church. We have now collectivism where people are not important as individuals; they're only important collectively. So it comes down to you choose which community 
you want to associate with, and then you accept their narrative as your truth. And, um, and so the, the story I like to give is that I saw a YouTube video of these three guys, three young white males, probably in their thirties. They were all about six two, about two twenty. They didn't look like they lifted weights. So this like like regular guys that had t-shirts, blue jeans on, sneakers, ball caps. They're just minding their own business walking about a block or two away from the University of Washington in Seattle. And three little tiny Antifa people walked up and pepper sprayed them in the face. And one of them uh, responded by throwing a left hook and knocking the little Antifa person down. And the Antifa people got in his face and said, why did you do that? Why did you do that? And he responded by saying, well, you pepper sprayed me in the face. And what occurred in that event was a clash of two worldviews. One worldview, these three guys, were, you know, they might have been Christians. They might not have been Christians, but they grew up in a society that taught Christian morality and absolute truth. And individuals are important. They have rights. Well, the Antifa people were coming from a postmodern neo-Marxist worldview where, look, you're white, male, you're probably heterosexual, you probably uphold Christian morality, so you're the oppressors, we're the oppressed, and therefore when we pepper spray you, you should either say thank you or you should just walk on and say, well, you know, I am an oppressor, I just deserve this. And uh, so individual rights have gone out the window and that's why I've, I've gone on record saying the 21st century is going to be the death of man. Billion, it is a C.S. Lewis's The Abolition of Man. Billions are going to be slaughtered. Uh, hundreds of millions were slaughtered in the 20th century alone. Right. Dr. R.J. Rummel's research out of the University of Hawaii, and uh, he coined the term democide, death by government. And so, you know, ideas have consecuences. Definitely. You want, you want, and that's where Nietzsche was, Friedrich Nietzsche was complaining to his atheist colleagues. Uh, you're right. We kicked God out. God is dead. We threw God off the bridge, but he's telling his, his atheist colleagues, however, we had no right to go through his pockets and say absolute truth. Okay, we need this. Traditional morality, got to have that. Meaning in life, got to have that. Uh, sanctity of human life, got to have that. Now let's throw him off the bridge. Nietzsche's saying if God goes off the bridge, all that goes off with them. And now we need to, to invent our own truth and our own morality and our own meaning. And right. so he was hoping for the Superman to come on the scene with the courage to create their own hard values rather than the soft values like love and forgiveness of Christianity. And um, and but I don't think the 21st century is Nietzsche was right. The 20th century was the bloodiest century in the history history of mankind. He died in 1900. He saw it coming. A world without God, everything's going to blow up. But he thought eventually that would give way to the Superman. No, I think C.S. Lewis and Francis Schaeffer, right, it's going to lead to the death of man and the abolition of man. And so as, as uh, somewhere between 170 million and 320 million people were killed, apart from war, uh, were killed by their own governments. And that's not even counting abortions killed by their own governments um, in the 20th century, we're going to see billions slaughtered in the 21st century if there is not widespread revival. That's why I wrote that book of the coming, uh, the uh, paper that I presented before the Evangelical Theological Society in 1998, The Coming Death of Western Civilization. 
I, that's a chapter, by the way, in my book, God, Government, and the Road to Tyranny. And um, so people can look at what I wrote in 1998 and compare it to what's going on today. And uh, But I was pretty much laughed at when I wrote it in academic circles. And now I'm getting a lot of apologies from my, uh, from my colleagues. Um, yeah, no, it is incredible. Like we're really on the precipice of other, uh, that kind of movement. And the collectivism has just been a disaster. Millions, I mean, if you look at Cambodia, China, Russia, and that, a lot of that people don't get it that Marxism is atheistic, right? Religion is the opiate. So you have this kind of similarity in contempt for Christianity, but it's also fascinating because in your book, in this book, you state that everybody's religious. So they they just yeah. have this postmodern religion. They have a moral yeah. system, but yeah. it's not biblically based, and it's definitely not based upon yeah. uh, those truths. Yeah, and, and we, we have people who are not Christians who are smart enough to realize, to agree with what you just said, and to say, look, let's not throw Christianity out. We throw Christianity out. It's going to be the gulags and the concentration camps. So a Jungian psychologist, uh, Jordan uh, Peterson out of uh, Toronto, um, he's basically argued against the new atheists. He said, you want to trash Christianity and get rid of it? What are you going to replace it with? And, uh, and he said, your views sound so much like the old Soviet Union views that I think it's going to lead to the concentration camps and the gulags. And so even he, here's a guy, he believes that the Bible is filled with myths. Of course, I disagree with him. I believe the Bible is God's word without error. But he believes that those are the myths that teach the eternal truths that gave Western civilization all the prosperity and freedom and health that we've had. And that if we get Christy, if we get rid of Christianity, the floodgates are going to open up. Uh, you have, uh, was it David Horowitz? Um, also wrote a book about the left's attack on Christianity. And here the guy's a Jewish agnostic. But so, so there's a lot of people who are actually arguing, look, when, when Christianity thrives in a culture, you get, you get freedom, you get prosperity. Um, when Christianity is in decline in a culture, then the, the, the floodgates of all kinds of evils open up. And, and so we even have a lot of non-Christians that are actually standing up for the Christian worldview at, that, at this point. Yeah, I think Horowitz's book is The War Against Christianity, if I remember the title correctly. Yeah. So it's a, he's saying, and I think he's correct. Yeah, so he, I, think, I think he dedicates the book to his, uh, his Christian friends. And a former communist, right? I think he was Ramparts <laughs> Magazine, Berkeley, you know, red flag type. Parents were both communists. Yeah, he, was, yeah, he was a Marxist in the, in the 60s. And, and I, I guess he saw people getting bumped off, leftists getting bumped off by other leftists for not being leftist enough, and it caused him to rethink things. And, man, I tell you, that little guy is one brave man. Um, I wouldn't want to be his bodyguard. I'll put it to you that way. Um, and he tells it like it is. But these are even non-Christians. Now, pray for them because we've got an open door with those guys. But there's even non-Christians that realize if you trash um, uh, Christianity, if your culture gets rid of Christianity, uh, the results are going to be incredibly ugly. And I think, do you agree that one of the aspects of Christianity is the focus on the individual and that has influenced the Christian political systems, whereas these other ones are collectivist? Have you ever looked into that as, as part of one of the central components of the Gospels is its focus on the individual? 
Yeah, it, 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 there is a very strong focus on the individual, but there's also a very strong focus on community. So Jesus could say, the world will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. And uh, Dietrich von Hildebrand was a Roman Catholic philosopher who was a thorn in the side of Hitler. And when hit, when the Nazis came to power, he had to flee to Austria. When they took over Austria, he fled to Europe. When they made inroads in Europe, he fled to America and taught philosophy at Fordham until his death in the 1970s. Uh, but Dietrich von Hildebrand argued that uh, atheism and what we would call today neo-paganism uh, can only produce collectivism. Uh because they don't believe individuals were, our human life is sacred. The individual human life is sacred because they don't believe that we were created in God's image. And, um, and so people are only important collectively. And Dietrich von Hildebrand says that we all have a need, a desire for community. And it's only in the Christian worldview where we have true community, where humans can, can come together and, and share common causes and common beliefs and love each other, but it's it's based on that biblical view of the individual is created in God's image. I will even say this, that there's no basis for human government unless you believe that human life is worth protecting and that human life needs protecting. Now, human life is worth protecting because we were created in God's image. And so human life is of infinite value. Uh, but human life needs protecting because we fell and we live in a world of fallen man. And so any any politician who doesn't believe in the biblical doctrines of creation and the fall uh, is either being very inconsistent or they've entered the political arena not to serve mankind and to protect mankind but they're in for the power. They're there to enslave mankind. Now, by the way, human government, so the good human government is needed because human life is worth protecting. Human life needs protecting. Um, but then once you have human government, it's headed by sinful fallen humans. So you have to figure out a way how to limit the power of these leaders. And the founding fathers did that by state sovereignty and uh, by recognizing God-given rights and the separation of powers in the federal government to, the three branches and a system of checks and balances. And, um, and right now people want to throw that all away and oh, like new atheists that attack Christianity. Uh, but now even like the, you know, the postmodern neo-Marxists even attack the concepts of, of truth, morality and, um, and meaning. And so uh, it's the, it's, you know, the Nietzschean supermen have arrived and, um, and without, like I say, without widespread revival, I wrote back in 1987, I was probably being, you know, I shouldn't have gone out on a limb. I wasn't making a prediction, but I just said, I, I don't, I didn't think we could retain our freedom uh, beyond the, you know, the year 2020 if we don't have widespread revival. And so I think it's more than uh it's, 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 I think it's more than a coincidence that we saw in March of 2020 government actually thinking it had the authority to shut down the churches. Right. And, um, and so um, this is, this is a, a, what I would call a depraved new world. And, uh, and I think that we need more, more Christian intellectuals who are courageous enough to take a stand 
against this stuff. But we, you know, we got to just not defend God's existence and Jesus' resurrection, but we got to come up with a biblical explanation um, for the UFO phenomenon and alien abductions and a Christian <laughs> explanation, for even for Bigfoot sight sightings, anything that's important to people and that they have questions about. Because these people are, because of the new atheists, a lot of people are rejecting Christianity, but that doesn't mean they're becoming atheists. Man right, doesn't, good point. Yes, man yeah. doesn't live on bread alone, so they're running to all kinds. Like you talked about, ladies in uh, Southern California flocking to Wicca, and um, so even the successes of the new atheists haven't led people to atheism. It's just made them more susceptible to neo paganism. Right. Very true. That's a great way to end it. Where can people reach out to you, Dr. Phil? Where's the, the best place if somebody wants in social media or your website? Uh, yeah, I would say the uh, the Phil Fernandez and Fernandez with an S. It's, it's Portuguese rather than, than Spanish. I'm half Portuguese, half Italian. PhilFernandez.org. And make okay. sure you enter with an S. PhilFernandez.org. It's probably the best way to keep up with my stuff. And there's a, a sermon audio button. You could go to sermonaudio.com slash IBD. That's sermonaudio.com slash IBD. And that gives you access to over 1,800 sermons, lectures, debates that I've done. You can go search my name on um, amazon.com. They have about three pages of books and booklets that I have in print. And uh, so those are just some of some of the ways to uh, to get in touch with me and find out more about uh, uh, about what I'm doing. Great. And is the best place to buy books through your website or Amazon? Do you have a preference? The best way is through Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, we're, we're pretty local church pastor and, you know, and doing my apologetics and pastoring and 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 teaching uh, well, my teaching duties. Uh, we don't have this big, you know, organization that uh, is able to handle book orders and things of that sort. So if People just go to Amazon.com. That's the best way to right. purchase my book. So, And it's Phil Fernandez with an S. And the title of the book we discussed today is The Atheist Delusion, A Christian Response to Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins, published 2009. Dr. Phil Fernandez, thank you so much. Uh, thank, thank you, William. I appreciate your work. God thank bless you. you and God bless uh, you. continue doing what you're doing. I appreciate it. Take care.